Come on, let's praise him one more time. Come on, are you, this morning I'm pumped up because you know what? Jesus defeated the death and the grave. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world this morning, church. I know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. He said in, the, in this time, in this world, it'll get darker and darker and crazier and crazier, but you can have joy. You know, when Jesus comes back, my friend, he's not coming back on a donkey. He's coming back on a, on a white stallion. He's, he's not just walking in as, as just some servant leader. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's coming back for His church. He's coming back for His bride. He's coming back. If you declare that Jesus is your Lord, He's coming back for you, my friend. You see, life on earth is but a vapor. But eternity, eternity, we just did communion. He paid the price today for eternity for you and for me. So can we just praise Him one more time? this morning. We love you, Jesus. We thank you this morning. You are the King of Kings. Your name is so beautiful. Your name is beautiful. So good to be with you this morning. Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab a seat, high five two, three people around you. Say, man, it's so good to see you at church. If you're online today, welcome. Thank you for logging in uh, for church. You're part of the family. We appreciate you. Uh, I know there's some of you that have been traveling and you're coming back soon and and uh, we're just so excited that you joined us for online. If this is your first time at Mountain Park, please don't forget, uh, we would love to give you a gift. It's at our New Year Start Year tent uh, located near the front, just outside the front of the building. And uh, we just love to bless you. Uh, we're just glad you're here this morning. Well, this morning you'll notice that one of our team has kind of been absent for a few weeks. Uh, Pastor DeAndre has been going through some health issues. And, uh, and some of you will know last year he went through some challenges and, and we've been praying and walking. I've gone over and, and seen him and prayed with him and his mom's in town. And, and uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to share a bit of what he's going through. But you know what? I said, DeAndre, why don't you do a shout out because he misses you guys. And so he recorded a little, a little audio message. And so let's take a listen to that. Hey, Mountain Park family, it's DeAndre here. I know some of you have been wondering where I have been, but I have been walking through some health difficulties, but I trust in the sovereign Savior, the healer that I know he is. And so just today, I just come to you just to ask you to continue just to cover me with prayer. We know that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And so as my doctors and medical team continues to figure out if it's the heat or if it's other things, I trust in the good shepherd who's the ultimate healer. And so would you continue just to join me in prayer? Because we know that God is able to do exceedingly far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. Continue to pray my strength in the Lord, and I look forward to returning and worshiping with you soon. God bless. Do me a favor, would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray as a, as a family and online. I know Pastor DeAndre is watching right now, and uh, those of you online, stand as well. I really believe in the power of prayer and the power of unity, and he's, he's our family, and we love him. He's, he's a blessing to us each weekend, and so would you agree with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Pastor DeAndre. Thank you, first of all, for the man of God he is. Thank you for the gift and anointing on his life and what he, he blesses us with each week. We come before you as a church family, and we ask you right now to touch his body in the name of Jesus. God, we believe that you are a God that can do the miraculous. We pray today for his doctors, God, that you would give them the wisdom, the clarity, 
that you would reveal what needs to be revealed and that answers would come. We pray this week for a big turnaround, God, a turnaround in Jesus' name. Our faith is in you, Father God. And so we lift up our brothers like the four men who brought their friend to Jesus. We bring DeAndre to you now, and we thank you, God, for a miracle in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now stay standing really quick because today is Pastor DeAndre's birthday. And so I know he's watching, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to count on three, and on three, I want you to shout happy birthday. We have audience mics out, so he's going to hear you, and you shout like the Phoenix Suns is going to win the NBA next year, okay? Let's just shout by faith. So on the count of three, here we go. One, two, three, happy birthday! You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much. We love you, Pastor DeAndre, and... Uh, can't wait to connect with you after service. Now, some of you are going to say, well, what can I do? I, I, can I go visit him? Can I take him meals? Can I take him? The worship team, Chris and the team, they've got it all covered. Uh, Pastor DeAndre's just asked, he said, hey, uh, please, I just, in this time, he's, he's a little weak, he's resting, just, uh, so we thought of a, a, a system for you to communicate to him. So if you want to give him cards, drop it off by the church, Mama Gail will collect them all, and if you want to send an email today, please don't email him, because he's going to feel like he has to reply to every email, and that's just going to be draining on him. What you can do, though, is send an email to Gail, Mama Gail at the church, our receptionist, her email is on the screens, uh, ggrave at mountainpark.org, Gail, and so Gail will compile all the emails that come into one email for him, and then she's going to make sure that we get that to Pastor DeAndre, so uh, drop cards off you at the church if you want to, or send an email. Uh, email's a great way. We'll get it to him as quick as possible, and we'll keep you updated on, on how uh, Pastor DeAndre is doing, and I'm really believing we're going to see him back next week or the week really soon. He's going to come back. Amen? So let's agree. Now, uh, I wanted today just talk about a few things that uh, we're kind of changing here at Mountain Park. So in our service, uh, we're, we're going to introduce something that I'm very passionate about, and it's called the prayer and praise cards. And so uh, you're going to notice next Sunday when you come to service outside in the lobby area, it's going to be a table set up with a, a, a praise report or a, or a prayer request card. And so what I want you to do is, man, if you've got a praise report of something God has been doing or has done just recently in your life, I'm going to ask you to write it down. You, you don't have to put your name on there, but if you want to and you feel fine with that, I would love that. Because, and then if you have a prayer request, I want you to write that down. And there'll be a basket there, and there'll be, a, there'll be someone there. You can just drop it there or, um, or give it to one of our leaders. And then right after the last worship song, I'm going to get these cards, and, and I'm going to read some praise reports because it's encouraging when you hear what God is doing in the lives of people here at Mountain Park. And so we want to just shout out and honor God and, and the praise reports and encourage one another. But then we're going we're gonna to pray over the prayer cards. Yeah, yeah on stage. I, I believe in the power of prayer. I'm a pastor that believes in the power of prayer. And so I want to take your prayer request that you have, uh, and online you can, you can put in the chat section, and we're going to take these cards, and as a family, we're going to stand together and pray over every card. To me, every card is a life that needs a breakthrough. And so that's going to start next week. It'll be a part after the worship set. We're going to go into that prayer moment, and we would be so honored to believe and stand with you. Because sometimes people say, would you pray for me? Yeah, and guess what? We don't do it. Come on, let's be real. But we want to pray over your prayer requests. And so when you come on Sunday, we're going to agree. Again, you don't have to put your name on there, but write it down. And I believe that God answers prayer. I just believe God answers prayer. And we live in a time right now 
where, man, church, we need to be praying, amen, because there's craziness going on in the world. And then also something new, which we are starting today, is at the back of the, back of the auditorium, we have four prayer stations. We have tables. It has a sign there that says prayer station. Our prayer team of leaders are back there. And if you just need prayer anytime during the service, if you're just like, I need prayer during worship, you can go back there. They'll be there after service. Uh, the team will be there. Because a lot of times, you know what, they're up front here, and it's so hard to like walk through the crowd, and it feels like everybody's going to see I'm going for prayer. You know, it's so easy as you're walking out. Just go to one of the tables there. We have a Bible if you need one, and the team will be there just to pray and agree with you. You know, I believe in the power of agreement and the power of prayer. And so we as a, we as a prayer team would be honored to pray with you, and, and, uh, and so you can see them after the service over there. And then next weekend, I, man, I'm so excited that Pastor Jaime Rodriguez is going to be preaching from Honduras, and uh, my last trip, I spent a few days there, and we're going to show you some videos over the next couple weeks and months of what, what God has done in Honduras through Mountain Park Church, through, through your giving and through you going on mission trips. And Pastor Jaime, the last trip I was out there, I got to preach for him, and he's a man of faith. And the stories are incredible what God is doing there. But at the end of, of speaking at the church, he brought me up and he told his church, he goes, this is our senior pastor. And I was like, what? And he said, Mountain Park is our sister church. The, pastor Jaime is one of our pastors. He's not a missionary. He, the ministry that they're doing down in Honduras, every, all six churches in Honduras, those are our sister churches. And so I'm so excited that he's going to come and preach next weekend. I really want all of you to be here. Bring a friend. In fact, let's take a look at this video really quick. Hey, Mountain Park Church, I am so excited to announce July 17th, Sunday, Pastor Jaime from Honduras is going to be preaching at both our services. He's become a great friend of mine this week as I've been in Honduras. He's a best friend of Pastor Greg. He's our sister church in Honduras, and he's going to be teaching on how to have an attitude of faith in our series, an attitude of faith. This is a man of faith. He's planted over six churches in Honduras, three in Nicaragua, and he has so many stories of faith. Hey, what you greet the church. Yes, amen. I'm so very excited to come at the Mount Park Church. Uh, hey, brother and sister, bring a friend at the church because we are very excited about that. We love you. Remember always, we are a family in Jesus Christ. Come on, bring all your friends. It's going to yeah. be a great weekend. Ah, oh, so, so excited. And uh, you're going to hear stories and how many lives Mountain Park has touched over the 20 plus years of partnering in Honduras. Well, today we're going to continue a series, Attitudes, It's a Choice. And uh, I started off the series a couple of weeks ago and, and read a quote from Zig Ziglar that said, you, you can't tailor-make the situations in life, but you can do what? You can tailor-make the attitude that'll fit those situations. In week one, I basically said that attitude, it's a choice. We all get to choose our attitudes. And then I spoke a little bit about uh, a few weeks ago about uh, an enemy or an attitude killer, conflict. And we spoke about how today we're all going to face conflict in the, the world we live in today and challenges of it, conflict at work, conflict in marriage, conflict in our relationships with our, our, our kids. Uh, there's conflict everywhere and we can see it, we can read it in the, in the newspapers and watch it on TV every day. But you know, there's another attitude killer in fact, it's a silent one, doctors say. It's a silent one that's killing so many lives in America, and that's stress. We live in a time now where stress, I believe, is an all-time high. And so many people are stressed. 
In fact, I was taking my parents to visit some friends from South Africa. They went on a trip with them, and they live in Anthem. And so I drove from Awatuki to Anthem. And on the road there, there was this guy that was weaving lily across all the cars. And I just was like, and everybody was stressing out. And I'm just like, wow, here we are. Just stress is all around us. People are stressed in the lines at Safeway, stressed at the coffee shop. Everybody just, there's just so much stress in this world. And in fact, I saw a bunch of funnies online, and maybe you can relate uh, to some of these. So take a look at the screens. I'm a little stressed right now. Just turn around and leave quietly and no one gets hurt. Do you know anybody like that? Don't elbow your spouse right now. Well, what about this one by the minions? I love this. So you mean to tell me a stress ball isn't for throwing at people who stress you out? <laughs> Come on, how many of you have been tempted to do that, right? What about this one? There's so many different ways to get rid of stress. It's supposed to relieve stress. <laughs> People do crazy things. So what about this one? I stress about stress before there's even stress to stress about. <laughs> I mean, some people just wake up and they're like, I'm stressing. I don't even know why I'm stressing. I'm just stressing. <laughs> but the reality is we live in a world where there is so much stress and so much pressure. In fact, uh, the American uh, Psychological Association just did a poll couple of months ago on stress in America. Let's take a look at some of the results that came up. We have a graph on, on stage. Uh, it's on screen. 87% of people are stressed in America over the rise in prices of everyday items due to inflation. 81% are stressed over the supply chains. Come on, you can just go to Trader Joe or Walmart and see people as they look at the shelf stressed out. Global uncertainty. Where are we going as the world? The world is in chaos. 81% stressed. Potential retaliation from Russia, Russia invasion, 80%. You know, the world is stressed right now. In fact, we all face stress. It could be right now in your marriage that you're stressed. It could be in your singleness. God, when are you going to bring someone into my life? I'm tired of being single. You can be stressing about, you can be stressing about your kids. I mean, my five-year-old daughter, five who's turning 16, is about to start kindergarten next month. I'm pretty stressed out about it a little bit. Let me tell you why. Because the school's calendar is about to become my calendar. Are you kidding me? I can't just do what I want to do anymore. I've got to plan a vacation. I mean, yeah. I mean, then I'm thinking about traffic. And I'm thinking about having to drive and drop her off in the midst of a call pool lane. I'm going to become one of those people. But we all face it. Some people are stressing about their finances right now. People are looking at inflation and the stock market. People are stressing out about finances. People are stressing out about their career. Will this company be around? Will I have a job? Man, I want a better job, but if I leave this job, will I, maybe I don't get that job. And so, what are, and so people are just are stressed all around. Today, I want to talk about the opposite of stress. I want to talk to you about choosing an attitude of contentment. Because I believe God wants us to live with contentment. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul's writing and saying that you and I as, and, and Christians, that we have put off the old, and we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, and we've put on the new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the new creation who is in Christ Jesus, and the way to renew our mind, and that renewing the mind is not fixing the old, renewing the mind is understanding who we are in Christ Jesus, who we are as children of God. So Paul says, as you're pursuing this godliness, becoming more like Jesus, living at the new creation, he says, also pursue contentment. Live life from a place of contentment, a place of peace. 
But think about it for a second because this is Paul. Who, man, if there's a man in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, a man that went through stress and pain and heartbreak and disappointment, it's Paul the Apostle. In fact, let's just read right now from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. And Paul says this. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about the California kind of stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And night and day I've been in the deep in journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the, in the city, in, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. So many perils this guy's going through. My false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides other things. He says, there's a whole other list I have. What comes upon me daily? What am I thinking about, he says. What am I meditating on? My deep concern or love for the churches. I mean, he's a man that has gone through so much. He's in prison, he's, he's been beaten, mar- I mean, he's gone through so much. I mean, you gotta think, before his conversion on the road to Damascus, before he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, where he, he was struck and he said, Lord, who are you? Before that moment, his name was Saul. He was respected. He was a scholar. He was looked up at. He was a man of status. I mean, everything looked great in his life. And here he is. Fast forward, he encounters Jesus, gives his life to him. He's now fully engaged in telling everybody about the way, which is Christianity. He gets arrested, beaten, stoned, all these things. And you know what Paul does? He's thinking about the church. He's not playing the victim card. Well, Jesus, I gave my life to you, and look what you did. I mean, come on. Woe is me, I'm in prison. Woe is me, no one likes me. Woe is me, they're trying to kill me. Whoa, he doesn't do that. I've, been, I've had no food, I have no clothes. People are t- he doesn't do that. He doesn't play the victim card. You know what he does? He lives his life from the place of contentment. God, you got this, it's okay. I'm just honored to be a part. You went to the cross for me. If I have to go through this, no one's put me on a cross. I mean, he's in this point of just thanking God. And he's thinking about what matters to God, the church. Well, how did Paul get there? I want to look today at Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 13. It's kind of our main focus, our main passage today. Look what Paul says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity. Paul begins to, he receives a gift from the church in Philippi and they send a financial gift to him to meet his needs and to take care of him. And he says, he's like, I rejoice in the Lord. He says, thank you that you took care of my needs. You met my needs. He goes, I know that you wanted to do it, but there was many oppositions and we don't know what was the result, the delay of them getting the gift to him, whether it was someone to take it or the, the channels to get it to him. He goes, I know there was a, there was a delay and that, that's okay. He goes, I'm, I'm just grateful that, that you blessed me. But then he continues, verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. He says, thank you for your gift. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for meeting a need I have. But I want you, I'm grateful for that, but I want to write something deeper. I have learned whether gifts come or don't come or or whether this happens or that doesn't, I have learned how to be content. I love that. 
And then he, he continues in verse 12, and I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, in everything in my life, listen to this, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and, and to suffer need. He says, I have learned, I have mastered how to be in this place of contentment. And then he goes into verse 13, which is such a great passage that so many Christ followers know. He says, here's the secret. Verse 13, I can do all things. I can face all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't say, I can face this because I'm Saul and I know the law. Because I'm Paul, I was Saul, I know the law, I know all these things. Because it's me, I'm the apostle, I've done the, uh, He doesn't pull out his resume. He says this, I have learned and mastered contentment. I have learned how to be in this place of plenty and this place of nothing. And you know what? Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, my heart doesn't change. I am solid, I'm okay. I have mastered what it means to be content, to be happy. You see, I, I believe Paul's definition of contentment is what? An internal satisfaction, an internal peace, an internal strength. And, and this internal satisfaction that Paul's talking about, you know what, it's, it's not, doesn't demand changes in external circumstances. He's got this peace, and no matter what's going on around him, the circumstances cannot steal the joy. The circumstances cannot steal the peace. The circumstances cannot steal the satisfaction that he has in being a child of God. You see, so often, too many Christians love Jesus on Sunday, love Jesus when life is good, but the minute I go into a valley, what do I do? I forget Jesus. And Paul says, come on, it's time for you to choose an attitude of contentment. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I can still live out this place of contentment, this joy and this peace. Why? Because Christ is my strength. See, today, when it comes to contentment, I believe contentment comes when you see Jesus in three different roles in your life. Three different roles. If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, contentment comes when I see Jesus as sovereign. You see, Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the sovereignty of God. Well, what is sovereign? Sovereign is the highest level of authority. God Almighty. In fact, Satan comes, in the, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, says to, to God, he goes, I will build my throne above your throne. Think about it. How can something Till God, the creator, I will build my throne above yours. So often in life, you know what we do? Our thrones are above the throne of God in our lives, and we expect God to change and to fit into our world and our kingdom. Jesus is sovereign. Listen to this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27. For he, talking about God, has put everything under his feet, under Jesus' feet. Now, when it says everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, the Trinity, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, but put everything under Christ. So what is it saying? Jesus is a manifestation of the sovereignty of God. Everything in this world, everything, the devil, demons, whatever you want to talk, humanity, everything is under the feet of Christ. See, when he died on the cross, he didn't just pay the price for our sin. He defeated sin. When he, he died and rose again, 
what did he do? He defeated the power of the grave. So everything in this world is under his feet. And so you and I, as we want to come to this place of contentment, when we have the stresses and the pressures of the world going on, we have to stop and realize this. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father in the seat of authority. It's not like Jesus is looking at these things coming my way and saying, turning to the angels and saying, didn't see that coming. Your life is not a reality show in heaven. He knows your yesterday, your today, and your tomorrow. And he is sovereign. Sovereign simply means this, God is in control. That's why Daniel in the lion says, God is in control. And that's what Paul is saying here. Hey, I don't understand some of the curveballs thrown my way, but I know this, God is in control. That's why the book of Isaiah chapter 55 says this, God says this, my ways are higher than your ways. You see, I can declare that, why? Because I see God as sovereign. I see Jesus as sovereign. He knows my ways. Sometimes we're like, God, please do it my way. And he says, no. You know why he says no? Not because he wants to mess you around, because your way is not the best way. His ways are higher than your ways and he has something better for you. So don't give up throwing the towel. Be patient and stop and say, God, I thank you today. With all the stresses and pressures going on, I thank you today I can have contentment. I can have this inner uh, satisfaction, this peace in, in the inside, this joy on the inside, this faith in the inside. Why? Because you're in control. Second Corinthians chapter five says, we walk by and not by you see, the old me that I'm to push, push off walks by sight. Oh, I can't believe, there goes the economy. Psh, knew what's gonna happen. Well, I don't like this president. There you go. China, Russia, the world's in a mess. Oh my gosh. That's sight. Faith says this. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God. Yes, there's governments and there's leaders, but there's no authority higher than the name above all names. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. And in the end, this earth, the Bible says, will be destroyed. And he's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth. And guess the good news is because I'm a child of God, I'm gonna be there. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so as I face these stresses and the world's going, these stresses and the world's going crazy, what do I do? I am not gonna walk by sight. I'm gonna walk by faith. And I can be content that God's got it. God's got it. I don't know what you're going through right now, but First Peter five, uh, chapter verses. First Peter five, chapter five, verse six says, "Humble yourself. Humble yourself under what? The mighty sovereign hand of God. And what's God going to do? He will exalt you in due time. In the perfect time, He will lift you up." So what do we do? We cast all our cares, verse seven. We cast all our cares on him. Why? Because he does care for us. He cares for us. But he's trying to get us to this place of, come on, contentment. Contentment is what? God, you've got it. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you got it. I'm choosing to walk by faith. The second area that we need to look at and see Jesus at when it comes to contentment, contentment comes when I see Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
See, for some of you today, you're at the place of Jesus is my Savior. I'm so glad he's my Savior. I understand that I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have missed the mark of God. We've all missed it. I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can never restore my relationship with God. I get that. And so I'm so glad that Jesus went to the cross. I'm glad for Easter. I'm glad he died. I'm glad he rose again. I'm glad. That's why we get water baptized. I lay down the old. I'm rising in you. But he doesn't just want to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. What is Lord? King. Master, he's in control. My job is to serve him. In fact, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them a powerful question. It's a question we all have to answer. And in verse 13 of Matthew 16, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples. He turns to his disciples and says, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And what does Jesus do? He turns from what do people say and he says, what do you say? What do you say? What is, who am I? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter answers the question of saying, Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. I want to ask you a question today. How do you see Jesus? What role does he play in your life? You see, because if you read Matthew chapter 6, it's a great chapter. It's all talking about how we worry about so many things in life. And Jesus simply says in verse 33, he says, do what? Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is Jesus saying in that verse? If you just put me as the Lord of your life, as the king of your life, as the master, if you just put your faith in me that I know what I'm doing, he says what? All these needs you have, all these trials and valleys and stresses you're going through, I will lead you through it. If you just put me first. It's so sad, but in Christianity today, a lot of the times we'll turn to God is when we're in the valley. God's like, come on, can I be the Lord when everything's going great in your life? And it's a choice that we have to make to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And Jesus says, if you seek me first, you put my kingdom first, everything will be added onto you. And then he continues to say what? I love this. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the stuff and the stresses, for tomorrow will worry about its own. There's, there's, there's enough stresses to worry about. Tomorrow, guess what? Tomorrow it's coming. But here's the good news. If you put the kingdom of God first, you put Jesus first, guess what? He's gonna take care of all of it. He is sovereign, but he wants to be the Lord of your life. And here's the thing. You have to invite him every day. Every day there's gonna be a temptation inside of you to say, man, I wanna take the reins and do my own thing. But God, today I start my day off by declaring, you're my Lord, I'm ready to follow Contentment comes when I do what? See Jesus as sovereign. I see Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then number three, I see Jesus as shepherd. You know what a shepherd does? He leads the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. In fact, Psalm 23, it's a well-known psalm. We all know it. It speaks about Jesus, the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And What? I shall not want. You see, when Jesus is my shepherd, I can live in contentment that everything I have, God is in control. 
I don't need to stress about it because I have a shepherd who knows me as his sheep and he is going to lead me what? He lays me down in green pastures. I mean, living in Arizona, that's a beautiful picture. <laughs> green pastures. But that's what a shepherd does. He puts us in this safe place of green pastures. He, he leads me, he lays me down and then he leads me by quiet streams of refreshing water. He refreshes me. And verse three says, he restores my soul. And then he continues to say, you know what the shepherd does? In the midst of my enemies, the stresses, the pains, the heart, the brokenness, all the struggles of the world, what does he do? He prepares a table for me. And he says, come on, let's eat. Let's hang out. I love that about our shepherd. See, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow. See, he's trying to lead your life. He, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the tears that you cry. And yes, he just wants to be your shepherd, but you've got to come to the place of your sovereign. You're my Lord. It's not about my kingdom. It's about your kingdom. I'm just glad to be a part of your kingdom. I'm glad, I'm glad that you chose me before I chose you. I'm glad, Jesus, that you went to the cross for me, that I could have new life today. I'm so grateful that you said you'll never leave me and never forsake me. That, that, that even I go through the darkest times, David writes, you are with me, God. You, even in the depths of hell, you are with me. Because he's a shepherd who cares. And so as we go through life, it's saying, God, I don't want to walk by sight anymore. I want to walk by faith, and faith is seeing you for who you are. You're sovereign. You're in control. You're the Lord and Savior. You're my king who's going to fight for me. You're interceding for me every day, but then you're my shepherd. You know how to lead me to green pastures. You know how to take me to streams where I can drink. In the midst of all the pressures, you prepare a table for me, God. You're a good God. And Paul says, contentment. Inner satisfaction and joy and peace. It's not found when circumstances change. It's found in a person. And his name is Jesus. And he's sovereign. He's in control. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. And he wants to be the shepherd who leads you. Because his ways are higher than your ways. And Paul writes and he says, godliness with contentment is a great gain. So you and I can choose each day. We can choose to stress, be anxious, be fearful. We can react to what's going on in this world. Or we can stand and say, you know what? I'm under his covering. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 it's a verse that I, I really just, I love it says, and I want to read it out of the NRV. I've memorized it in the New King James, but in the NRV it says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many promises God has made, listen to this, they are yes in who? In Christ. And so through him, Jesus, the amen, what is amen? It's already done is spoken by us to the glory of God. See, every time I read this Bible and I see the promises of God, I'm gonna bless you and make you a blessing. I'm gonna heal your broken heart. I'm gonna set you free. 
You can do all things through me. My God shall supply my needs. When I read all of these promises in the Bible, here's the thing. They're not based on my performance. They're based on his sovereignty. They're based on him being Lord and Savior. And they're based on him being my shepherd. All the promises of God are mine through Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you today for those in this room that are anxious, carrying stress, carrying hurt. In life, hurt people, hurt people. I thank you today, Jesus, that you're a great shepherd. I thank you that you're a Lord who wants to lead us and guide us each day. I thank you for the freedom we find in you. Thank you for the peace that surpasses understanding that we can receive when we come to you in faith. I thank you today that you are the sovereignty of God, the manifestation of the sovereignty. It's a reminder today that in you, Jesus, I am reminded that you've got it. You will never leave me and you will never forsake me. So fill us with peace today. May we walk in an attitude of contentment. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're gonna partake of offering, tithes and offering, and we're gonna shift this to the back end of our service. And so, I'm gonna just ask you for a moment to kind of just remain seated. And I was thinking this morning about Malachi chapter three, and many of you will say, oh, there he goes, like every pastor, Malachi chapter three. But I wanna read it to you from my perspective. I think it's so powerful. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. You know, what does that mean? Really simply, a tithe is first fruits. You study the Bible. First fruits is 10%. The Bible says that 10% of what we have is God's. The reality is everything we have is God. Paul says, nothing you brought into this world, nothing you've taken out of it. It's all God's. We're under a new covenant. But God says 10%. That's what I'm asking. It's holy. Bring it to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the church or the covering over your life. It's the place where you feel planted. See, there are churches all around the city, which is great. There are people in those churches. They are planted to do what? To fulfill and support the mission and vision God has for that house. So be the task that there may be what? Food in my house. Seed. Food to do what? To do what Mountain Park is doing. Hope for the homeless. Honduras. Right now, kids' ministry. All these things that are going on, it takes finances to do it. So God says, bring the tithes. There may be fruit so we can do more. And listen to this and, and try me now. Some translations saying, test me now. If I will watch, says the Lord. Uh, test me now and this, is the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and do what? Pour out a, such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. Now, I know many Christians that are pastor. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for God to pour it out that there's not enough room. I'm waiting for that day. Well, here's the deal. Until you are faithful of it, he's not gonna give it to you. It's like the parable of the talents. God gave one, one, the other two, and the other one, five. If you read the scripture, God said what? He gave according to their ability. See, I, I don't believe God is like a genie. Well, God just bless me, bless me, bless me. No, God wants to bless you, it's covenant. But he wants you to be what? A blessing. But you know, this is the only passage in the Bible that God says, test me. It's the only place in the Bible where you can test God. How's that? That's pretty, I think that's 
That's pretty radical. God says, test me. Try me now. If you're faithful in the tithe, the 10%, watch what I will do in your life. But then I love the next verse. Verse 12. Listen to this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I love that. So that he will not destroy the fruit of what? The fruit of the ground. Nor shall he what? Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your fields, says the Lord of hosts. You know why people ask me a lot, they go, Pastor, why are you so big on tithing? And I know some pastors don't like to talk about finances. I'm the opposite. I talk about it because I know God wants to bless you because he loves you. But God says this, I will rebuke the devourer. You know what's great? In my life, I've tithed since I was 16 years old. There's never been a day where I've lacked. Now there's been some hard times, but God has always come through. Because David said, I have never seen the righteous, the children of God, forsaken or their children begging for bread. See, I believe in my life, God has always provided. Why? Because of Malachi chapter 3. He rebukes the devourer on my sake. You know, people ask me, when you get to heaven, what are you going to ask God? I actually have a list. Maybe I should do a series on that one day. The list of questions Charlton has for God. One of the questions I have for God is, why did you choose people to be the way you fund the ministry? I mean, God, the streets are paved with gold. You have a cattle on a thousand hills, what scripture says. Why didn't you just throw some gold bricks at us? Some of your street paving, just take some street paving and throw it down here. We could do so much in changing the world. But it's not what he chose. He chose you and he chose me. See, let me tell you why tithing is so important. Why do I tithe? I want you to know why your pastor tithes. Number one, I tithe because I love God. Well, I love God, pastor. I know you do. But I know in John 3, 16, it said, so for God so loved that he what? He gave. He gave me his best. So you know why I tithe? Because I love God. I love to give. Tithing to me is the way I worship him. Not just with my words, my hands, my feet, my attitude. I worship him. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. And the third reason, you know why I tithe? It's because it's an act of obedience. In fact, we're going to talk about an attitude of obedience in a few weeks' time. Obedience with faith releases the supernatural. Many people have faith, but they don't have obedience. Many people have obedience, but they don't have faith. But when faith and obedience come together, it opens the windows of heaven in your life. So I want to encourage you today with your giving. This is a giving church. I want to challenge you with your tithing. If you're, if you're not tithing, step into it. Because why? I believe God wants to bless you. We have so much more to do, Mountain Park. We live in a time right now where the world is in the mess. The gospel has got to get out. And so the assignment we have here in Phoenix, here in Arizona, here in America, in Honduras, in Lebanon, in all the places, the assignment is huge. And so I want to encourage you today, continue to be faithful with the tithe and the offering. And I'm going to believe that God's going to bless you and put favor so that we can do more. Amen? Amen. Please don't send me hate mail. You're one of those pastors. You're one of those pastors that's all about money. No, it's not about money. It's about your heart. It's really what it's about. Amen. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you today. Thank you that you're faithful. You know our needs. 
Help us to be content in the area of our finances. Help us to be content when it comes to giving. We are blessed to be a blessing. You said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it's a covenant promise that you would bless us so that we could be a blessing. Lord, as I look around, there's so much hurt in this world. There's more for Mountain Park to do. There's so much for us to do, God. So today, God, bless this offering. Bless each person that gives the seed that he's sown, the faithful tither. Take what we give today and use it for your glory. May more people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We thank you. Thank you that you gave first. You gave us your best. It's in your name we pray. Amen.